Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 19, 2016. Today, we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 54, the second paragraph beginning with, Imagine Life Without Faith. Today's readers are Vivian M., Anita L., Renata G., Martha Z., and Lisa H. Our newcomer greeter is Marianne D. The reference number for Monday, April 18, 2016, is 8671. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Vivian M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. This is Vivian M. Recovered in Vermont. Uh, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all the defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do the service. Thank you, Vivian M. I will now ask Anita L. 
to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in other matters affecting OA, um, other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 54, the second paragraph beginning with Imagine Life Without Faith and continuing with the following paragraph ending on page 55 with What About People Who Proved That Man Could Never Fly? Our discussion will be open to comments on both of these paragraphs. I will ask Renata G. to begin reading. 
Thank you so much for your service, Rebecca. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Imagine life without faith, or nothing left but pure reason. It wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you can prove a straight line in the shortest distance between two points. Yet there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling on to a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seem more intelligent than that. At least so the chemist said. Hence we saw the reason isn't everything. Neither is reason as most of us use it entirely dependable. Though it emanates from our best minds, what about people who proved that man could never fly? You know, and I want to talk about, you know, this idea of faith and reason for me. And like the, the text said here, my reason was not entirely dependable either. You know, um, my reason led me, you know, to, to pursue and have faith, you know, to worship things and people and food plants. And uh, my reason had me to always, you know, compare my insides with people's outsides. And so I started to believe that in order to, to be happy and contented in life, I had to I had to have what others have on the outside. And so, you know, by that belief, I developed a faith that, you know, being thin would be, you know, the thing that would make me happy. And so I pursued that with diet, with food plans. I also had faith that, you know, maybe if I had a man madly in love with me, well, that would fulfill all my, my dreams, my problems. You know, so I pursued that. Um, another big one for me that you know, expensive and pretty things, that would make me feel accepted and happy and contented. And so I pursued those things as well. But none of these things brought me real happiness and and, and contentment. And so, uh, you know, my reason always kept me believing that I knew what was best for me. And I had to be convinced, I had to get to a point you know, with this disease that I I was 100% convinced that I could not solve my problems, I didn't know best, and I could not manage my life or my disease. And so, you know, that I needed help. And, um, you know, with my reason, I could not explain the 12 steps, but it had worked in others. And so, you know, that what made me become willing to be open-minded to the idea of the steps. You know, an example that came to me was, for example, if my car breaks down, I don't break it apart and try to fix it because I know I don't have, like I know 100% that I don't know how to fix my car. I don't have the power. I don't have the wisdom. And so what do I do? I take it to a mechanic, right? I trust that the mechanic, um, you know, will be able to fix it because I don't know how to fix it. And so, but if I did think 
I could fix my car. I would not take it to the mechanic because that would save me money, that would save me time, I could do it on my own. And so, you know, it's the same thing. It was the same thing for me with the steps. I had to come to a point that whatever I was trying to apply to my life in order to be happy and contented and manage my weight did not work. And so I had to go to a different source that could solve my problem. And, uh, you know, as with the mechanic, my job is to schedule an appointment, to bring my car there, to pay for the service, right? In this program, my job was to, uh, you know, put all my binge foods down, work with a sponsor, you know, through these 12 steps, and work with a sponsor meant call on time, do my assignments, you know, study the text like I was asked to. And, um, you know, so then God could come in and fix my problem. God could take over and do what I could not do. And um, and that's the only thing that has ever given me a life of happiness and contentment, this relationship with a higher power that came from working the 12 steps. With that, I bet. Thanks. Thank you, Renata T. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Charles H. from New York. Charles H. Kim G. Did I hear Carol? Yes, thank you. Carol G. Kim G. Anyone else want to get on the list? Okay, Charles H. Hi, Nancy R. Thank you very much for your service. Charles H. A recovered composer. Excuse me? I got Nancy R. Go ahead, Charles H. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, Charles H. A recovered composer over here just for today. And and I've been talking about this. Um, we've been in we agnostics for a little minute. Um, and I've been talking about I know I've been jumping jumping ahead saying imagine life without faith, and we're finally here. So, um... I just want to talk about faith a little bit. You know, in the outro, in in Bill's story, Bill says faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Um, In how it works, it says all men of courage have faith. So all over the, you know, it's littered. Faith is littered all. it, It ain't say you have to have religious faith. It ain't say you have to have atheist faith agnostic faith. It don't describe what type of faith, but it just the book says you have to have faith. The great Martin Luther King said, take the first step without worrying about seeing the staircase by faith. The great Michael Jordan said, if you put the work in, the results will come by faith. Um, you guys, right, um, come on this line along with myself every day. Why? By faith, um, something's going to work out. You know, I love when Laurie C. says, I don't want to hear about all your, your drama, your cat, your boyfriend, your job, and they left chocolate and binge food around. Put that thing through the process. By faith, it'll work out. So, you know, faith has to work. The great Bill W. writes this on his, his, the second paragraph on, on the 16th page. He says this. That, and, and I believe it. 
and it doesn't matter what type of faith because I just got to trust and believe something. It's a, the faith of a mustard seed. <laughs> faith will move mountains. Faith will move mountains, and it will remove the pebbles from, from, my, uh, from my shoe as well. So I, I couldn't imagine life without faith. Even through trials and, 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 and low spots, and you know, even through even through everything, because good and bad works for for the good of 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 all, and that's what I believe. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Carol G. Oh, good morning, Rebecca. Uh, it's Carol G. Compulsive Overeater Recovered, living in a solution one day at a time. Thank you, and good morning, Vision, for you. Welcome to your day. Um, I was thinking about those whirling uh, electrons, uh, actually. Um, my whirling electrons were out of control, but they were even smarter than my mind. And my body brought me to OA. In fact, no, my spirit brought me to OA. Um, my mind didn't. My mind just took me to the gates of hell. Um, I always used to feel huge, even when I wasn't huge. You know, even in my mind, I felt huge. I in earnest wanted to make myself smaller and not take up any room or space and I always remember sitting in a meeting I always craved control over food and disease and when anyone who was sat next to me was smaller than I was I would feel inferior and when anyone who sat next to me that was heavier than me I would scoff and think there's nothing for me to worry about and both of these were dangerous thoughts and they were planted in my mind by this disease I served the disease all my life I listened to its lies all my life I didn't have faith that something could turn this around and then I remember um, well sorry I just broke my train of thought then my higher power wanted to tell me something this morning why would a person like me with no options left come to a meeting, come to Overeaters Anonymous, when no one in my home group has any lasting recovery, not even me, why do I keep going into this door, this revolving door of food? Because I had faith in the book. I had faith in the book. I had no reason why I had faith in the book. I carried it around with me. I just knew there was something in there. I read it from cover to cover. I did workshops on it. I served it into group with it. I did all kinds of things, but I never experienced what was in the book. For some reason, I couldn't get whatever was contained in that book into my life and into my heart. I never experienced that freedom. And year after year, I failed. And I wanted the recovery so much. But I was still playing director. My disease was still playing director. And it filtered out all the amazing stuff I heard shared and all the things that were contained even the directions in this book and my sponsor would always say to me Carol that is not what I asked you to do I would make it up I would cherry pick I would change the words I would edit it my mind was so twisted so broken but it could be fixed it's been fixed and I know Bill Wilson was a salesman and he sold me on this recovery and I know my admission ticket was not cheap. It took 13 years for me to finally say, yes, I am one of these people. I have to have this thing. But in that moment when I got recovered, as we talk about on this line, the moment I realized I'd been freed, I said, oh, I knew it. I knew this worked. Thank you. I'm so glad I hung on as long as I did. 
with the iPad. Thank you, Carol G. Kim G, you're next. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable. You know, in a prior page, reason was capitalized. It's now lowercase. Why is that? Because we're, we're being softened to the idea that our mind is not God, that, that reason is not going to be our power anymore because reason is not dependable. You know, we're told earlier on that page that, you know, we thought we couldn't worship, but we worship a lot of things. You know, life tells us to worship money, property, prestige. I definitely worshiped having a boyfriend, having enough money, being a certain size. Even coming into OA, I worshiped. I worshiped having the right sponsor, the right food plan. I worshiped the tools. And what I find from my own experience is that all that I thought would make me safe was the exact reason I felt unsafe. Because we're told on page 24 and 25 that we are beyond human aid. Yet that's where I felt all my safety was, in human aid, and things that are outside of myself that are human, that will always fail me, that are not dependable. You know, we're going to be told later in the book that we have to trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. So step two, part of this is coming to the conclusion that I have to turn away from self, self-sufficiency, self-centeredness, self-reliance, and turn towards a power greater than ourselves. No defining it, no understanding what that is. My understanding that my in and of myself, I will eat again, I have to turn to something greater than myself. So this is a bigger part of the surrender, the two conclusions of steps one and two. In step one, I surrender that I have this twofold disease, that my allergy is a permanent disability. I never, ever, ever can have those foods again. And I surrender to the idea that this mental twist, that this mind that I have that is sick, which is also a permanent disability, the fact that I cannot cure my sick, my sick mind with a sick mind, and now we're in step two, I'm going to surrender to the idea that a power greater than myself is my only option, that I'm out of options other than this. So that you can see the softening. Hence, we saw that reason, the way that we think, the way that we act at our own step one experiences, isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable. And as long as we think we can depend on, on these outside situations, we're not going to come to the conclusion that we need a power greater than ourselves. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Nancy R. Yes, good morning. Uh, my name is Nancy R. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And um, there, uh, there was... Uh, the phrase that really jumped up at me this morning, uh, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. And it just reminded me of my level of cynicism. Uh, as a young person, I was raised in a uh, faith community, uh, people who had an unyielding belief in God, and I... And they would uh, wildly proclaim the, the different things God had saved them from. And initially, I just scoffed at them, as the book says. I scoffed. I considered them uneducated and backwards. Uh, 
all kinds of, uh, you know, um, disrespect for their belief in their God. And uh, as as time grew on, I I, I began to uh, envy them. I really wish I could have that kind of. I really wanted to have that that kind of faith. But I, I you know, I, I I had gone and become educated, and I just uh, uh, didn't believe the kind. Uh, I I didn't have the strong belief that they had, and I I really wanted it. I really wanted to have that kind of belief. And as uh, my di- disease progressed, I came into the rooms. I saw people in the 12-step rooms being freed of their uh, compulsion, their addictions, and they spoke of their strong faith in a higher power. And I, too, wanted to believe. But deep inside, I really had this belief that it was something that I had to do. And only when I was knocked to my knees, only when I... Uh, my, my weight exceeded over 340 pounds. Only then did I become, it, it took all of that, even though I had heard the message from the time I was uh, born probably, only then did I really, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, wanted to reach out and try and connect with this higher power. And today, I, you know, today I, I proudly proclaim that I too am one of them. I have been liberated from my food addiction only by accepting the fact that there I couldn't do it, that there had to be something greater than myself. And the different uh, tenets that I used to uh, uh, turn my nose up in today, I accept them. You know, I, I accept that I'm finite. I'm finite. And all of my education and all of my uh, seeking uh, uh, led me almost back to the place where I started, to a fundamental belief that there is a power greater than myself. And today I proclaim that, yes, there is a power greater than myself who has saved me from death. I have no doubt that I had not, thank you. I have no doubt that had I not found this program, I would be dead. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy R. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs before we move on? Amy G. Reva P. Amy G. And Reva P. Melissa C. Jack B. Jack B. Anyone else? Okay. Amy G., you're next. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Woo, that gave me the chills when I first read that because my entire life was centered around using my intellect and my will. And to think that that is something that I was going to have to let go of would not have been something that was that well for me. But, you know, the beauty of this book and the, you know, the master crafting that goes into this book is that we're at chapter four here in We Agnostics. And if we see how the prior chapters are laid out, you know, we have the doctor's opinion, the description of what this disease is. I didn't even know. I'd never even heard of compulsive overeating until I walked into my first OA meeting. We have a description here in the doctor's opinion of the physical allergy, the mental obsession. I start to understand what this disease is about. Then we hear Bill's story. I identify in with his behaviors and his actions. And I think, oh, my gosh, this could be me. 
then we hear more about the disease, particularly the greater aspect of the mental of mental obsession, and there is a solution and more about alcoholism. It isn't until chapter four when I'm back into a corner going, oh my gosh, this is me, and what am I going to do? Because my own experience is showing me again and again my insanity when it comes to compulsive overeating and the fact that my mind is warped and is a liability that I'm finally going to start to believe that there's got to be something out there. And I look at you all and who the problem has been solved and those who are recovered and saying that faith is really only a matter of willingness, but what is it going to be? Am I going to pick up the spiritual tools laid at my feet, which is the steps, and work them like my life depends upon it? Or am I going to keep eating in compulsive overeating torture and oblivion until I'm dead? And that's what it was for me. What is it going to be? It was very clear to me that I had other kinds of faith. You know, it was very clear when my sponsor said, if your way is working so well, why are you here? In the description of the big book, it says, why do we eat? You know, why do we drink? It's because we like the effect produced by the food that we are ingesting, and we are restless, irritable, and discontent until we can again sense the ease and comfort that we get from taking a bite, a bite we see others taking with impunity. I worshipped and had faith in the God of ease and comfort. And my entire life and my mind was centered around that ease and comfort, looking for it, restless, irritable, and discontent until I could again worship my binge food. It was very clear to me I had faith in other things, sticking the key in the ignition of my car and turning the key, not knowing how it worked, but knowing it would get me where I needed to go. But when it came to this idea of faith, I balked. But I couldn't anymore. I was backed into a corner. I had to make a decision. And that's what this chapter is about, willingness to step forward into the unknown for, for those of us of the agnostic inclination, which was certainly me, and be willing to say, I am all in here. Show me the way. My thinking isn't going to get it done. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy G. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I'd like to comment on the sentences uh, we see that reason isn't everything and life without faith. Um, How did I see that reason wasn't everything? Um, I reasoned myself with my food control. I reasoned, I figured it out, I made the plans. Um, I willed myself and reasoned myself into such a sick state that got me here. Um, But I also want to comment on um, life, imagine life without faith. Um, I don't have to imagine. I know what life without faith is like. I know where my mind goes in abstinence um, if I don't work the steps. I know what dry drunk can be like, and I see it um, around me. Life without faith is white-knuckled abstinence um, and every single experience being it's not going to work out. I'm doomed. My boss is going to fire me. Um, my mother's not going to be okay. Um, I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm doomed. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. That's life without faith. That's abstinence only. Um, and it's torture because it is about nothing. The whole thing is nothing. Everything is nothing. And it, it becomes why bother? Let go of this. And I'm back to the food. Um, And lately, there's lots of challenges around. 
Um, and it's so easy to go into reason and logic and trying to figure things out. Um, and I'm so grateful that we're reading this because it's a huge reminder that it's this need for a higher power, this realization, seeing through experiencing that all my reasoning, all my logic, as brilliant as I think it is, does not work. If it worked, I wouldn't be here. I have other things to do in the morning instead of listening to this meeting. But I do it, and I do the work because I don't have any other alternative. I don't want to live the life that I lived before. It was torture. Um, and um, I'm grateful that Bill takes these great pains and so many pages to convince me because my stubborn mind um, still thinks that reason will do it. Um, and I'm so grateful that that's not the solution. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. Melissa C., is it? I didn't write it down. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, you know, um, I, I, I just find myself laughing a lot. You know, there's such um, irony in this that when I um, am reminded that reason is in everything, um, I have to smile because, you know, at the end of, of my suffering, um, I was clinging to this notion of reasonableness that I no longer had, you know. And um, and if I don't have any faith, then then I'm left with nothing but I'm God, and I better figure it all out, and I better do it all. And I only need to look at a little bit of evidence to know that that didn't work. And, you know, with me um, as God, with me thinking that I have to control everything, um, I have no alternative but to eat because I can't handle the responsibility. It's far too great for me. You know, no wonder why I kept running back to the food. If I thought that I was the end-all and be-all, um, I needed to eat the comfort of the food because that job was just too too great. And, you know, and so I think this morning all the things that um, – are not reasonable, are all the things that often make life sweet, you know. It's music, it's art, it's love. There's no there's no reason, you know, for those things. Um, they just are. And um and that's sort of uh, you know, where I found my higher power that I was in pain, I was desperate, I was terrified, I was eating, you know, round the clock. Um, and I started calling in, you know, what was reasonable about picking up the phone and dialing a number um, and listening to people whom I never saw before, um, but I really started listening, and and there was faith there. You know, I heard something. There was a glimmer of hope um, that there was something greater than me, and this became reasonable. You know, that's what that's what the irony is, that today that I'm living unblocked, that I know who my higher power is, or I, I know it's not me, um, I'm better able to have a reasonable uh, view on life. You know, I know that it's reasonable for me to pick up the phone and call in this morning. This isn't just faith operating. Um, thank you, with that I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Jack B. 
This is Jack B. in Virginia. Hello. Hello, Jack B. We hear you. Um, I'd like to comment on this point of reason being overrated because it's it's basically a god in our society and people who have had the opportunity to get a good education uh, have been in environments where it's treated as a god. Uh, and the point that it's badly overrated is very important. Um, Benjamin Franklin, who was smarter than any of us, said something to the effect that he liked reason, he was a reasonable man, and he said, I like being reasonable because I can find a reason to do anything I want. Pass. Thank you, Jack B. Okay, let's move on with Martha Z. And Martha Z is going to read the first and second paragraph on page 55, beginning with, yet we had been seeing another kind of light and ending with our facts as old as man himself, and we'll comment on both paragraphs. Go ahead, Martha Z. Good morning, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha C. Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but we liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. Good morning, my friends in recovery. I, this second paragraph I love. It's, it's just one of my favorites almost in this um, chapter. So they start by saying, they're talking about another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world. People who rose above their problems who said God made it possible. And I started to see that for myself with this whole recovery thing. I What I saw was, you know, when I, I first, there was nothing in my life ever that I struggled with more than my food problem ever. And so when I saw that, that this my higher power, my God, um, helped me with that problem and, and really relieved me of my obsession to want to eat, I started to believe that he could help me with everything. I It was so miraculous because I had not struggled you know, there was nothing that I struggled with more. If, and I thought, well, you know, if he can do that, maybe he can help me with these other things too. So I started to open up a little bit. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, from the paragraph before when we were talking about how reason isn't everything, to kind of set aside what I thought, you know, things were. And, and maybe this could happen. So um, then the next paragraph talks about, you know, so where are we to find this higher power? And it says, deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So that means that God is within me. And um, 
and I, you know, the the next paragraph will talk talk about where the great reality, you know, we found the great reality deep down within us. So um, let's see. Um, so it says it may be obscured by calamity, hmm. obscured, blocked off by calamity, disaster, tragedy, something um, that causes great loss and pain, pomp, I think ego, by worship of other things, specifically food and relationships most of all. But in some form it was there. So, so it's, it's telling us that we need to get unblocked. And... Um, yeah, and then it says, for faith in a power greater than ourselves, the miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's all I want to say. <laughs> anyway, thank you for being there. Let me share. Thank you, Martha. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Janice. Janice. I heard Nessa R. And Janice M. And Tina. Tina S. Tina S. Is it? It seems to be uh, Judy S. Judy S. Yes, it's Tina S. Tina. Okay. So here's who I heard: Nessa R. Janice M. Tina S. And Judy S. I think. Was there anyone else? Wow. Okay, Nessa R. Unless I didn't hear Nessa R. Hi, sorry. Hello, this is Nessa R. Sorry, I... I, Oh. Uh, and I want to I wanna apologize, Rebecca, for interrupting. I was unmuting before, and then I didn't realize you hadn't spoken when I jumped in. But uh, anyhow, here I am. I'm recovered in Toronto, Canada, and happy to be live on the line. Um, I never rose above my problems. Actually, my, my reason and my logic um, gave me all the justification to absolve myself of any responsibility for my problems. You know, I was uh, suffering from the uh, self-PD victimhood uh, syndrome or whatever you want to call it. You know, I thought my reason and my logic told me that my life sucked uh, because I didn't have any money, because I was fat, because my husband didn't do this and my children didn't do that and my boss was mean and I was stuck up for a promotion. And if only things were better, then my life would be better. And this is what my logic told me. And my logic also told me that the way to um, control my weight was to binge and purge, um, which I know now are obviously not logical at all. None of these things are logical at all. And then I met someone about five and a half, maybe six years ago, in whom the problem had been solved, you know, and this is a person whose life is not a bowl of cherries. She's got problems. She's got, um, you know, very heavy challenges. And yet she rose above her problems. And there was a very simple reason. Um, and it says that right in the book, God made these things possible. And I just, I just reason told me that's not the case because I had made many deals with God. I had begged God. 
I had, you know, implored God, prayed, and, and he wasn't listening. He wasn't giving me what I wanted. You know, what reason didn't tell me is that, you know, I'm here to serve God, not God to serve me. And uh, reason didn't tell me that I was blocked from God. Um, I would say thanks to God and to program, this person in whom the program ha- uh, problem had been solved told me, you need to get unblocked from God. And the only way to get unblocked from God that I know is to honestly put down the food and truly work these 12 steps um, that are outlined in this big book here. And then God will take care of your problems. And that's how she rose above her problems. That's how I am, uh, with God's help on the other time, rising above my problems, which is very novel to me, something I had never done. And it feels so much better than uh, where my logic and my reason took me in my path. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Janice M. Well, good morning to you, Rebecca. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Janice M. Good morning. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much. Um, uh, Yes, my name is Janice M. And I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, Yeah, I love that first and second paragraph. The very first paragraph, you know, talks about a spiritual a spiritual liberation uh, from this world, people who rose above their problems. I love that word spiritual liberation. Gee, you know what? I never, I wanted to be free. That's what liberation means to me. Please time me, Rebecca, because I don't have a a timer here with me. Um, I wanted to be free. I want to be free of. Janice, we lost you. You were breaking up. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Uh, in and out. Want yeah. to try again? Um, yeah. If, if I, if, am I in or am I out? <laughs> Why don't I pass and we'll talk at another time. Thank you for the opportunity anyway. If you want, we could try again after others share if you want to dial in again. Thanks, Janice. Tina S. Are you available, Tina? Yes, sorry. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Uh, grateful to be on the line. Some really good stuff this morning. And, you know, and um, I'll just piggyback on what Janice was starting. Um, you know, it says, you know, we've seen another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, you know, spiritual freedom, which, um, you know, I was also raised in a, in a religion that, you know, for a period of time, you know, I am, uh, when I see something work, I, you know, I want it. So for a period of time, I saw this work in other people. But then, you know, I, I kind of uh, compared myself rather than identified with what was going on. But I truly believe that that was God working in my life at that time, you know, because I thought that, you know, that certainly was not for me. And, um, you know, what did come to happen for me was that, you know, I was able to be introduced to the 12-step program in, in several areas and you know and then I saw this liberation from the people in the rooms where the problems where their problems where they rose above their problems which God solved. You know, eventually that's what I heard that God was solving these problems. And and for me it is, you know, I choose to call 
my higher power God, but it, you know, I kind of really look at it as a higher power, you know, a power that can do for me what I cannot do for myself, which I have tried over and over and over again and have failed utterly, you know, um, you know, and I, and I was on board with that reason thing too for a period of time, but I had to really look at the facts that was failing me it was it was totally failing me you know and and, it, and then the spiritual release they talk about you know i i remember when i kind of thought man eh, you know i don't know if i want to go that route yeah it seems to be working for them but i don't know that i believe and then i you know then i had that spiritual release and i had to look at my experience and were just acting as if had brought me you know and and i also love where it says actually we're fooling ourselves for deep down and every man woman and child is the fundamental idea of god and, and, and somebody else had shared it, and I've been blocked for a long, long time. And since today, you know, I choose to nurture that and to um, cultivate a relationship with a power greater than myself that keeps me, you know, on a, on a path one day at a time, and I don't have to live in my disease. And with that, I'm very grateful. So thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Duty S. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Judy F. Can I be heard? Yes, good morning, Judy F. Good morning. Good to hear you. And let me get my timer start. Okay. So, boy, um, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child's fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or another, it is there. And in my experience, I'm so grateful for the steps. Um, I wasn't aware, but I definitely was blocked um, by calamity in worship of other things. Calamity, um, my sister died when she was 17. My brother was um, mentally ill um, from from that um, my other brother went into um, deep addiction. Um, my life was of chaos, and I, I felt God wasn't there. And just one thing after another, my reasoning told myself that I needed to depend on myself, and I um, because there was no there was no loving God, and that was very deep and so deep I wasn't aware of it, and went to food. Um, I was four when my sister died, and, and that's when I, I really went to food. Um, and what the steps enabled me to, the way they're laid out, look at those, that, that thinking. Uh, and, I, you know, it was based on lies. It was based on my limited um, experience. And um, thank you, God, it, I was able to see I never was able to see the real good that came out. Um, they, um, I tried, but I don't have to understand what happens in, in my life and in, in the world because I'm not in charge. And I, I, the steps helped me to get to an acceptance, not an agreement that that was a good thing for our family or anything like that, but just acceptance. And I was also able to see how God was with us through all that pain and all that grieving, and is continually, as I developed a relationship with God, is in every situation. And right now, what's come up for me is I, I have cancer, and 
I am seeing the blessings in it. I, I'm not in self-pity, which is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really seeing how God is working through others' support and love and the doctors. And my mother um, fell three weeks ago, and I'm taking care of her at the rehab. And I'm seeing how people are just taking care of her. So anyway, like it's this higher power within me is is such a blessing. And um, and because of that, I've been abstinent over 24 years and living a life of usefulness and dependence on God. And I'm so grateful for that. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Yes. Hi, this is Naomi Anna. Baker. I share. Hi, Naomi. Let me just check and see if Janice M. is back on Not the a line problem. and wanting uh-huh. to share. Janice M., are you there? Then Naomi B., you Thanks. will be the last person to share. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, my family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things. Well, I'm sitting here looking at the calendar and thinking to myself how um, on May 1st of 2014, I received a phone call that my husband collapsed at work. And it was so ironic because I just had my lunch. I had my breakfast at 6.30 in the morning so I can get on the phone line. And I literally had my platter in my hand that I was to eat lunch and here I find out that my husband who never got a cold collapsed at work I put the platter down and I said God I need for you to protect my stomach I don't know when I'm going to eat again and to come with me so with that I had to drive to the emergency room alone and I'm not normally a very calm relaxed person but God was my co-pilot and um find out there that, um, you know, the man was, he was just, he didn't die, thank you, God, but he just went on that <clears throat> they were going to give do a CAT scan of his brain, and he said, um, I died at 11 o'clock, they're not going to find anything, and it was only by God's grace, he did have an aneurysm that burst in, him, in the aorta and the abdomen, and God spared him, <clears throat> but during this whole time, I was relaxed. I I didn't know what to do but pray, because this is what I do. I pray. And it was just amazing the entire day. I mean, here my husband, after 37 years, almost died, and that was a calamity. And that was a situation where, you know, in any other lifetime, I there would never have been enough food. And what food would have ever, ever changed the situation? After they took him through surgery, he was more relaxed and more calm. And I came home, and I was still thanking God, and the food was down. This would never, never have happened in the other before program. Working these steps, working with a sponsor, listening to vision every day, it never would have happened. There would never have been enough food in in the cafeteria to solve what was going on. I didn't have to eat over it. Thank you, God. My husband was okay. He was in the hospital for a little bit. And, um, but the, most, the beautiful part of the whole thing, when the doctor came in and said, 
that the blood self-contained itself. Where anybody else, so I told what happened, they said people bleed out. God was right with me. And, and only because of this program and my total confidence and love and compassion that God is with me and everything. Um, thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. It's the end of the first hour, and time for me to thank you all for joining us on the line. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, uh, Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater just for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.